everybody. It's a real pleasure to see so many of you here this morning. Our Bible reading this morning is taken from the book of Philippians, chapter 4, verses 4 to 9. If you'd like to follow along in the Pew Bibles, you'll find this passage on page 1181. 1181 Philippians 4 verses 4 to 9. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me, or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. May the Lord bless richly this reading of his word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. let's pray Father God we give thanks to you for your word and we ask now that you would fill us here with your spirit and that your peace would rest upon us as well that we would hear your word and listen to the things that you want to say to us now in the name of Jesus your son Amen Amen and it is lovely to welcome so many people here today and especially those who are visiting and if you are visiting, um, just a little background about what we're doing at the moment. And that is, we are having a year of discipleship here in the Arborist with LMA. And that is because, well, we want to grow as disciples. And it's been a funny old thing, actually, this whole business of discipleship. Because when you went into something like this, you think, well, that's quite straightforward. We all want to be disciples. But as you enter into it more and more and you explore the themes of what's involved you realise that it stirs up quite a lot of emotions within us and really ask questions of us and maybe where we're at with our walk with God and how we feel in it all. And today we've arrived on this real theme of fear and especially the acknowledgement of God being with us in the fear. And it's a really weird thing because I started reading through this passage on Monday and I kind of parked it a little bit and I started working on the sermon for this evening. But it was as the week went on 
a dawning realization came upon me that this is perhaps the most relevant theme and the most relevant reading that we have, maybe even in this whole year of discipleship, certainly where we are at the moment, be that us as a church, maybe us as individuals, be it us as a world, a community. Because if we are being honest, the world is terrifying at the moment and has been for a number of years. It hasn't just been since COVID as well. COVID almost felt like the straw that broke the camel's back. In the lead up to COVID, experts were telling us that we were on the verge of a mental health pandemic in this country, with anxiety especially being a really big, huge issue in it all. And then we have this pandemic which separates us from each other, that raises anxiety completely, followed by the aftershocks of all of that. The cost of living crisis, the energy crisis, war in Ukraine, and so on. And all we face, it feels like, is bad news. But not just bad news in terms of, well, that's horrible, but that's happening on the other side of the world. Bad news that's affecting us right now. And the worst thing is, we don't know what the outcome is of it all. We don't know what we're heading to. So we have this natural fear that is placed upon us all. And that's without talking about the individual fears that we carry, the things that we have always carried, the things that we carry that are individual and personal to us. Because when we think about this whole issue of fear, it is one that is deeply personal to us, as well as us being corporate. A friend of mine once went to catch a plane somewhere, and I am slightly terrified of flying. And this friend of mine will wind me up all the way there to get there until we get to a lift, where my friend is terrified of going into. So you get the point, don't you? We all have our different anxieties that we carry on top of, if you like, the corporate ones that we have. But we can also think that just because anxiety is something that we talk about more freely now, that it's something new. I am a deeply anxious person. My natural go-to is anxiety. That is how I was born. I was born to an anxious family, an anxious mother, an anxious grandfather. It's there in the bloodline, if you know what I mean. I am an angst-risen kind of person. But these days, I can say that, and it feels all right. 20 years ago, saying to my friends in Merthyr that I'm a little bit anxious, got the answer of what you need, pal, is a good skin full of beer. Sort yourself out. We talk about it a bit more widely now, and we accept it a bit more widely now, but it has always been there. And it was there during the writing of this particular passage as well. Paul was addressing the church in Philippi. And even though this particular passage was written some 2,000 years ago, they themselves were in a state of suffering, pain, and anxiety. In fact, one of the great themes of this particular book, this letter that Paul wrote, was one of hardship, suffering, and fear. Because they were living in fear. They were at the point of the church being persecuted. 
really up until this point as well in the New Testament era, the church had faced a little bit of persecution, but not much. But here they were being persecuted. And Paul himself had been persecuted. Paul had been there, done there, and got the t-shirt when it came to terrifying moments. The whole business of his conversion on the road to Damascus. How scary it would have been to be blinded for three days. That followed by going to see the apostles who he once persecuted. Followed by going on a mission where he was shipwrecked. Followed by being imprisoned and everything else that went with it. Paul was a man who himself lived through the eyes and the lens of incredibly anxious situations. And so here he was, right into a church that was facing anxious situations, and he really knew his onions. He knew he'd lived, he'd seen, so he wasn't speaking from a fake place. And I think that's something that's worth acknowledging as well. When it comes to fear, the one thing we can do is fall into trite little traps. Put on a big post or something. Do not be afraid, for the Lord is with you. Or put a slogan out there. And all of that's good stuff. But it can also feel quite a little bit trite when you're going through a really rough time. I live in a house with another vicar. And occasionally, I fall into vicar mode with that other vicar. And Liz might come home and something might have happened. And I'll try to do the nice, gentle thing. And to just say to me, don't you dare vicar to me, Reese? crack on and talk about it because I'm aware myself that I can throw out these trite little slogans that happen like don't be afraid it means nothing unless it's backed up by something and Paul here is backing it up he's lived it he's experienced it and he knows what he is speaking about in fact you could write it in a book too late he already did and it's here for us to get and understand and enjoy now but fear, as I say, is a complicated issue. And in fact, we need to acknowledge that not all fear is bad. Some fear is very healthy. Some fear we really need. It is that little edge of fear that stopped me in March 2020 from walking out into this place and going, come people, come hug me, breathe on me, come close to me, I fear not this COVID. I didn't do it because I had that little bit of fear that I needed to stop me from doing that. If I didn't have that, being an extremely vulnerable person, which I am, who knows what could have happened. That fear kept me safe. And we all have that in us as well, which we need. And that in itself is a kind of gift from God. So too, there is a kind of safe fear as well that we can enjoy. Now, I used to play rugby, and I love playing rugby, but I will tell you right here, right now, for every second I played on a rugby pitch, I was utterly terrified all the time. I am not a very big bloke, and when I played rugby, I was even smaller. If I was going to get tackled, I was going to get hurt, and I did frequently. But I loved it. Call it what it was, excitement, adrenaline, who knows, but it was a safe place to feel that fear and almost get my level of adrenaline out. But other people, it's roller coasters or mountain biking or you name it, for Hannah Green, nothing, but <laughs> we all have it. Something that we need to get that need for excitement out. So there is a healthy kind of fear out there. But then there is this fear which Paul is addressing. 
and the one that he's speaking to us about. And that is the fear that overcomes. That is the fear that takes over everything. That is the fear that comes upon you. And you might know what this feels like five seconds after you wake up in the morning. You have a few seconds of bliss and then the fear hits you. The fear that keeps you awake at night. The fear that drives you throughout the day. The fear that is with you while you're sat in a meeting for work. And even though you're there, you're not present. The fear that overcomes everything. And all of us, a different part of our life, can experience that fear. And all the things that Paul says about it, the chances are if you've been in church before, you've heard before. So there's nothing new going on. But it's worth reminding ourselves about it. And more importantly, seeking in this year of discipleship to live it out a little bit more. So what does Paul say to us about what we should do while being in fear? And the first thing is almost quite surprising. And it comes even before prayer. And that is to praise. To give glory to God. To praise the Lord. Because in praise comes also the peace. When we truly worship the Lord, we of course connect with his spirit and peace comes. Anything that I'll say today will pale in significance to what Jamie said earlier because testimony is the most powerful thing that there is and I'd love to see more testimonies because that really is God at work right here, right now. But the one thing that hit me so hard like a ton of bricks when the J-Dog was speaking was what he did after he'd been to the doctors, come here and blast some hymns. Enter into that time of praise, that time of worship, to praise the name of the Lord, even though circumstances would say to do something else. Circumstances might even say, go to a pub and get drunk, go and wallow in self-pity, do something else to praise the name of the Lord. Because in praise, there is peace. And even if it is an oasis from everything else, when we truly praise the name of the Lord, we can find an incredible peace come upon us. First six months of living in Aberystwyth, I hated it. And I'm going to be honest, I hated it. And I hated it because I didn't know where I fitted. I didn't know what to do as a vicar. I didn't understand the place. I'd never really been here before. I didn't know what I was doing. I had identity things going on. And I also had a lot of anxious things of my health, which had started to change. For six months... I didn't have a clue. Then came COVID. But COVID was all right. The thing that saved me was worshiping the Lord here. Coming to church and just praising the name of the Lord. Joining in with the sound of worship. And be that on the organ, be that by the worship band, whatever it is. Being in that atmosphere where the praises were rising. Where praise was being given to the Lord. Where there was an openness to say, yes, we are praising the name of the Lord in this place. And we're not ashamed about it. Because then the peace came. And even if Monday morning I felt a bit more rubbish again, that peace was there. For the hour and a half, the two hours, the rest of that day that I was here. The praise of the name of the Lord overcame everything else. When we praise the name of the Lord, we connect with the Lord. And when we connect with the Lord, the peace of the Lord always follows. And here's the really good news. 
God is always the same distance away from us wherever we are. We can come into places like this church where you can almost feel the sense of praise seeped into the walls, the sense of prayer as well. It's been here for 132 years, and that peace starts to come automatically. But God is the same distance away when we are in the worst place, when we are waiting in the doctor's office, when we're in that meeting that we don't want to be in, when we're in the airport, when we go on to that family trip that we're dreading, the Lord is still there. The Lord is as equally distant here as he is out there. What we arrive with, though, is an attitude of praise. And yes, it's easier when we come into these places, but the real challenge is to praise in the places where it's hard, to praise the name of the Lord in the place that's really, really difficult. My scary place, thinking of Hannah, is a doctor's surgery. And I go out and see doctors quite a lot and things. And I learned a long time ago, one thing that I need to do there is pray. And I'll take my phone and I'll pray and I'll even take a prayer journal and just write in it because that brings peace. Anywhere where praise can come, peace always follows as does the prayer that naturally stems out of that praise. Because as Paul talks here about giving the praise to the Lord, that is followed by prayer. And prayer that begins with thanksgiving. We are encouraged when we are fearful to give our petitions to the Lord. We are encouraged to give our fears over to the Lord. But before we do all of that, we need to do it in the context of thanksgiving. To give thanks to the Lord first. And in fact, as the word of the Lord also says, give thanks in all circumstances. Now again, if you've been in church for a number of years, you know this. This is one of the first things that we teach kids in Sunday school. This is one of the basics of Christianity. You'll put a hand up and say, these are things we praise for and thanksgiving is always there. But here's the problem with the first things that we learn. They're also the first things that we forget. And I'll be honest with myself and say, when I come to pray, I don't always give thanks to the Lord first. I've got other things on my mind, other agendas to give. And if I'm being perfectly blunt, Thanksgiving is probably the last thing that I give. I'm often so whingy that I forget about the good things that I'm given every single day. I even complain about the good things that I'm given every single day. When we lift our praises to the Lord, so we should lift our thanksgiving to the Lord as well. Give thanks in all circumstances, and especially in the difficult stances. Give thanks for all the great things that we've got going in our lives. And even if it feels like everything else is rubbish, Cling on to that one thing that is good. And even if it is, you had a nice breakfast that morning. Cling on to what is good and praise the name of the Lord because of it. We don't give thanks enough. We look for problems, not good things. And we do it as churches as well. We don't say, thank you, Lord, for the good provision that you give to us. We say, help. We are struggling. 
And yes, we need to acknowledge our struggles. And yes, we need to pray for them. But we ought to have to acknowledge that all good things come from God first. Basically, we need to be better at saying thank you. A simple thank you to the Lord. And if that sounds a little bit Sunday school for us, then we belong upstairs. Because that is one of the fundamentals we need to remember. And we need to get right. To give thanks to the Lord in every circumstance. Because in that thanksgiving, peace comes as well as praise. And I love the next bit of advice that Paul gives next. And that is to focus on whatever is good. Whatever is good, whatever is lovely, whatever is noble, whatever is honourable, focus on these things. When you're having a rubbish time, when you're in the place of fear, draw your mind to good stuff. Why am I scared of flying? I'll tell you why I'm scared of flying. Because even though the statistics are totally against me, I'm scared I'm going to crash. And so end that journey to the airport, and if I'm honest, in the weeks heading up to that, all I'm thinking about is aeroplanes crashing. <laughs> it's never happened. But that's all I'm thinking about all the time. We are called to focus on everything that is good, everything that is wonderful, and everything that is lovely, like those kids up there. Focus on everything that is brilliant, that is going on. And really, this is a far more spiritual thing than it sounds. Because when we think about nice things, we can't think about just straightforward things like, I don't know, my lovely car or something like that. But actually, one of the biggest things we need to remember is how the Lord always has come through for us and the things that the Lord has done for us. And that's why the power of testimony, like we heard from Jamie this morning, and our own testimony is so important because we need to be reminded constantly of the nice things that God has done for us. And more importantly, we need to focus on those things. I've been a vicar for nearly 12 years now, and I've been a Christian for 20. And one thing I still struggle with being a Christian, and it's weird because I go through it as well, is how easy we forget how we can have an incredible story happen, an incredible miracle happen. We can see an incredible move of God happen. We can have a time of praise and worship that is so powerful, you can feel the Lord with us, and then it can feel like it never happened. Almost like the memory of it all, the feeling of it, the emotion of it, has been robbed in some kind of way. We need to keep telling good stories of the Lord and what he is doing. We need to tell them from each other and we need to focus on them ourselves. We've got a thing in the back of church that says God at work and it's pretty empty. We need more stories. We need to hear more good things of God at work and we need to cling on to them as well. And I mean really cling on to those memories. I was once approaching ordination and I was sat in a church and for the first time in my life, I put on the good Anglican robes. And I was eight weeks away from ordination, and I was put on placement in this church. And I was sat there, and I was about to come up and pray, where I had a panic just come over me. And I mean a real sense of panic and fear. 
what on earth are you doing? You've wasted your life. You've given up the last three years. You've sat your dress like a numpty. And what for? Is God even real? Does God even love you? Is God even there? Is that why you're here? And the attack that I felt was so significant that I just wanted to run out of that church and not go back. I'd never felt anything like it before, and I've never felt anything like it since. But that sense of fear was so strong that I would have that moment said, there is no God, and got out of that place and never turned back. And then I was sat there, I remembered something that happened to me when I was seven. And that was, I saw an angel in my bedroom. And every night before I went to bed, my mom would pray that the Lord's angels would bless and protect me and all of that kind of thing. And I'd say, thank you, amen, and go to sleep. But one night, I was just walking my eyes in the middle of the night, and there, on my wall, was an angel. Now, I'd seen things before. I swear I'd seen a number of ghost schools and all the rest of it. But this, I knew, was an angel. And I just looked at the angel and went, <gasps> and I ran out in fear. I went to tell my parents. But whenever I have doubted, and we all do it, whenever I've been in fear, that has always come back to me. That first encounter, really, that I had with God in such a powerful way when I was just a small child, that memory of the Lord's love being so great for me that he would send an angel to look after me has constantly reminded me of the reality of who he is and what he does. Whatever is good, whatever is noble, whatever is lovely, focus on these things. And we are truly called to focus on these things. Focus on all that the Lord has done for us. Focus on the good stories. Don't focus on the past. Focus on what the Lord is doing now. Focus on how the Lord is at work with us now. And tell those stories. Tell them, share them. Don't be embarrassed about them. Don't think somebody's going to laugh at me if I tell you a story. Tell them. Share them. Build each other up. And allow the Lord to bless us with peace when it comes. There is one reality that we will always live with. And that is fear. When this current crisis passes, another crisis will come. The Daily Mail will always find something to wind us up with. <laughs> there will always be something. But here's the really good news. God is the same God today as he was yesterday, as he will be tomorrow. He is always the same distance away from us. And his love for us is so much. He wants his complete and utter peace to overcome all darkness. He wants his peace to overcome all fear. And he even helps us and gives us the instruction to help that to happen. Let us praise the name of the Lord. And let us really shout out and sing our praises and allow that peace to come. Let us give thanks to the Lord for all the blessings we have, giving thanks in all circumstances. And let us focus on the good things the Lord has done. Let us remember them. Let us share them. And let us build each other up. I really want to see testimonies like we've had this morning every week. I want to hear stories of the Lord at work. And selfishly, I want to hear them because they make me feel good. I want to hear them because they bring me peace. And I guess I'm not alone there. 
And I'm just going to finish off now by praying. And I especially want to pray for those of us who are really struggling today. But I also want to pray that we would have more stories to share as well. And the Lord would truly move among us. So let's pray. Father God, we come before you today and we give thanks that we've been able to praise your name. We give thanks that we have got gifted musicians who can lead us in worship. We give thanks that all the praise has been lifted in this place. We give thanks for your glory, which is manifest and shown here. And we pray that we will continue to praise you. And we pray that we would praise you with our whole hearts and nothing would hold us back. We pray that we would praise you with reckless abandon and not care about how stupid we look. We pray that we would praise your name and that you would come to us and you would bless us. As Lord God, we give thanks to you for all the blessings that you give to us. Lord, we give thanks for every blessing we've enjoyed this day so far and for every blessing that we will continue to have. We give thanks for every good story, every good memory of you being at work and we pray that we would remember them now. We pray for more stories. We pray for more stories of you at work. And Lord, we pray for more miracles. We pray for more peace. We pray that your supernatural peace would overcome us all now. And we pray for all of us now who are struggling with fear, those of us who are struggling with anxiety, those of us who are here but not here, we pray for us now, and we pray that in the name of Jesus and through the power of your Holy Spirit, your peace would come. Your peace would overcome. That light would overcome all that is dark. All that is evil would be gone. And we pray peace and lasting peace to fall. A supernatural peace that overcomes all fear to fall. And we pray it now as we give glory to you, as we praise you, as we thank you, as we worship you, Father God, Come and draw close to us now, we pray. For in the precious name of Jesus, we do pray. Amen.